Amen. Thank you, Brother Greg and, and the choir. And didn't they do a great job this morning? And appreciate that. And uh, thankful for the freedoms that we enjoy. I want you to go with me to the book of Acts. I know some of you are surprised, but anyway, we're in the book of Acts. And I have a thought a little bit about, you know, on a special day like this, do you, do you change what you're doing? And, and the truth is, we come to the end of Acts chapter number nine, and I was going to skip these miracles that happened here and go on to something else. And, but I really felt like as I, this week as we read and prayed and studied, this is where the Lord have us to go. And then I, I do plan on tonight, Lord willing, uh, to talk about some things in relationship to the liberties that we have, but really in relationship to the fight. And uh, Lord willing, tonight I'm going to preach on fighting the good fight of faith. And so we'll talk about some of those things. But this morning we're back to the book of Acts and uh, in our series. And I do not, and I really did not, and plan to preach verse by verse to the book of Acts. And that's not really my intention. Uh, but to hit some of these highlights. And as I said to you, I was originally planning to, to skip Acts chapter number 9, the last few verses. Because in Acts chapter number 9, you've got this watershed moment of uh, Saul of Tarsus and the bright light on the road to Damascus and you've got a sinner converted and you think, man, that's wonderful and amazing thing. Then you find these two encouragers and we looked at those last week as about what you can do to encourage uh, other people. But I want you to look with me in Acts chapter number nine and, and uh, if you look in verse number uh, 35, I'll read just this verse to get started. Uh, the Bible says, and all that dwelt Lydda and Saren saw him, and notice this, they turned to the Lord. And then at the end of this chapter, if you go down to verse number 42, and it was known throughout all Joppa, and notice this, and many believed in the Lord. And so for a little while, I'd like to preach on this subject, many people turning to the Lord. Now, that's an amazing thought to me as you go through this story, and, and there's two miracles here that we'll link together. Uh, but at the end of both of these stories, the Bible uses this terms and, and this thought that many believed and then many turned to the Lord. And I want to challenge you with this thought today as, as, you, as you think about your life is what a wonderful thing that it would be said about my life or your life that because of what we've done with our life that many people turned to the Lord. And you find in these two miracles, you find the attention turns back from Apostle Paul back to the Apostle Peter. And he, you find two miracles here that we'll look at together. And both of them will remind us of miracles that the Lord Jesus Christ performed in his earthly ministry. And I liked what Alexander McLaren said about that as he said, when you study the Apostle Peter, whether he meant to or not, he mimicked what the Lord Jesus Christ had done in his life. And he challenged us of this thought that if you'll spend time with Christ and you'll walk with Christ, you'll find yourself being Christ-like. And what a wonderful challenge it is as the Apostle Peter goes through there and he says some of the same words and he acts some of the same ways that the Lord Jesus acted like. And I thought to myself, what would be wonderful if we acted a little more like Jesus. All of us should say amen to that. And you find these two miracles and you find what you find. Another thing is this, is you find that we see how God uses even difficulty and death to turn people to himself. 
Now, I, I don't understand, and I don't pretend to understand how God works in all the circumstances of life. But you're going to find in just a minute that we're going to go to the, to, to the city of Joppa. And we think of Joppa. Well, that's where Jonah fled when he was disobedient to the Lord. And we're going to find there a faithful servant of God. And God uses the difficult circumstances to turn people to the Lord. And I want to remind you of this, that God knows what he's doing. Let me give you just two things. Good news is this morning I've only got two points. And as I say this from time to time, some of you have heard some of my sermons that had no points. You'll get that in just a minute. But if you notice the first thing, I want you to notice this is the salvation of others. Look in verse number 32 through 35, you find this first miracle. And as, as the church had rest and, and the church was multiplied, now the apostle Peter continues with his itinerant ministry. And he says, and it came to pass, as Peter passed through all quarters, he came down also to the saints which dwell at Lydda. And I'll remind you this, it was their customary thing that when they moved to a city, they found the group of believers there. You say, what's the practical thing is I, I would never want to go move to a city without knowing there was a solid group and a solid church that I could be a part of. And you find in verse number 33, and he found a certain man. Now underline that. If you mark things in your Bible, we'll come back to that thought in a minute. It said he found a certain man. It's a man uh, that we don't really know. As a matter of fact, this morning, if I'm honest with you, I had to Google Alexander Scorby. How many of you know Alexander Scorby? That's him reading the Bible. You say, preacher, what do you do when you get words you don't know? If you'll type Alexander Scorby, he'll tell you how to pronounce his name. And as Alexander Scorby said, he said, Enos is the way we would say it with the knee in the middle of it. See, I can't even say it now. Aeneas, a man that we know nothing about. He said he'd kept his bed eight years and was sick of palsy. And Peter said unto him, Enos... Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. Arise, take up thy bed. And he arose immediately, and all that dwelled at Lydda and Sarah and saw him and turned to the Lord. Now I want you to notice a few things as we see this thought about the salvation of others. As we see this man in verse number 33, he found, and please don't miss this, a certain man. And I've told you to mark that in your Bible. And I remind you that God knows exactly what is going on. And as Peter was going through his customary journey, as he was going through his customary business, he came upon, we don't know how, we don't know where, we don't even know if he was a saved man. I, I kind of I, I think he wasn't because if you see here the Bible says he was a certain man and doesn't say anything about his relationship to the Lord so in his daily ministry some way he comes across this man's path now what we know about him is that he was sick of palsy he was paralyzed at least for eight years and he was he was sitting on a bed or lying on a bed we sometimes can can think about that back to uh, the apostle Peter's first miracle as he he healed the lame man and he was sitting there begging whether this man was begging or not we don't know but what we do know is he was sitting and he was sitting on his bed and the apostle Peter comes to him now I want to remind you that every time you see this, you find yourself there. 
You say, what do you mean, preacher? That means we're helplessly hopeless without the Lord Jesus Christ, that we're undone, that we cannot walk in ourselves, we cannot function in ourselves, we have nothing to do. And so here you find this sick man, you find that he was a certain man, you find that he was sick of palsy, that he was crippled, that he was helpless, and that seemed to be his lot in life. He'd accepted it. You think about that. You say, man, that's pretty hopeless. And that's pretty helpless. But here again, please don't miss this. Things are about to change through the life of a spirit-filled believer. Look in verse number 34. It says, and Peter said unto him, Enos, Jesus Christ maketh the whole. Now, as I said to you, he had seen Jesus uh, say to the lame man in his own ministry, rise, take up thy bed and walk. And, and they said, well, uh, who can forgive sins? And they'd getting on to Jesus because he'd said your sins be forgiven. And they said, was well, it easier to say thy sins be forgiven you or rise, take up your bed and walk? And the apostle Peter had seen this. He had already healed the lame man walking and leaping and praising God. And here you find this. The apostle Peter did not claim power in himself. He did not claim ability in himself. But what he did say, is the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to heal you. He says to take up your bed. He says, and it's time to move on. Now, notice the power of the resurrected Lord. I wrote in my notes here after verse number 34, a hopeless situation is about to encounter the power of the resurrected Lord. Now, some of you have got situations that you think are hopeless We've just kind of said we're going to live with them. We've kind of said, well, that's just my lot in life. But I want to remind you of this. If we encounter the power of the resurrected Lord, it changes everything. If you look here in verse number 34, he says it. He says, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. Notice this. Arise, make thy bed. And he arose immediately. Now, I want you to remind you something. I, I, I don't know, as I was studying and praying and thinking about this, I, I never really thought about this before. But here's a man that had been sick, palsy for eight years. Now, look, I'm not telling you that God's going to heal every disease, and I'm not telling you that God's going to heal everything, but I am trying to get you to understand the power of the resurrected Lord. And here you find these accompanying miracles, and we understand that they were temporary sign gifts, and we find in this passage that, uh, that, that Tabitha is going to be healed and, and be brought back from life and that's not happening today we understand that but what I do want you to understand is Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever and he has the same power and so here you find he says to this he says to this young man he says arise now I want you to think with me at that moment he had a choice to make they've been sick been palsy for eight years he had a choice to make whether he was going to obey and pick up his bed and walk on and live differently. 
Now, I want to make application here, and I want you to understand this. The Lord Jesus Christ, the resurrected Lord, has come to us, and he has told us so many things. He's told us to be filled with the Spirit. He's told us how we're to live in our home. He's told us how we're to have power in our witness. He's told us how we're to live every day, how we're to yield to the Spirit of God. He's told us what to do, but I'm afraid too many of God's people are still sitting in their own sorrow of their bed and their own lameness. He said, what do you mean, preacher? We say this, well, I... That's just the way I am. God ain't, ain't nothing, nothing going to change me. The resurrected Lord can't change you. Now hold on. There's nothing wrong with his power, but too many of us are comfortable laying in our own bed. So that's just the way God made me and my family is this situation. And my family has this and I just can't change and this is not what God wants me to do. Look, the resurrected Lord that the apostle Peter had seen himself, he comes and he heals this man and the same power is available to us but I'm afraid we're too comfortable in our own sorrow. We're too dependent upon our own strength and we say, I just can't, I just can't, I just can't and can I say this to you? No, you can't. I taught in the Sunday school class this morning about our husband and wife relationship. And if you understand this, every time you find it in Scripture, what we're commanded to do, I'm to love my wife as Christ loved the church. She is to be in subjection and submission to me. And I'm to dwell with her according to honor, uh, according to uh, knowledge and to give honor unto her. And that's the way I'm supposed to live. And you say, that's quite a tall task. But I'll remind you that I'm to be commanded to be filled with the Spirit of God. i remind you that the Lord Jesus Christ is my example. So I cannot in my own strength be the husband that God designed me to be. I cannot be the father that God has designed me to be. I cannot be the witness that God has desired for me to be if I allow myself to rely on my ability. And see, God has, his power is real in our lives and his power is the resurrected power and he comes to this early church and he says, I give you the power, I give you joy, I give you peace and I ask you the question, are you? Still laying on your bed when he says, arise and make up thy bed. You say, what does that mean? Look, the begging bed is not necessary anymore because I have changed your life. You say, preacher, he hasn't healed my physical infirmity. Oh, I understand he may not heal your physical infirmity. But if I understand this scripture, he has made you pass from life unto death. He has said that the power of God, which bringeth salvation, he says that dynamite power, the gospel, has come into your life. Now look at me. Then I ask you this question. Why are you still licking your wounds and laying on your bed instead of living the life that God intended you to live? See, when we begin with this statement, you look in verse number 33, you see the 34, you see the contrast in verse 33, he'd been sick. He'd kept his bed eight years. The way I understand that, he'd been bed fast for eight years. The next verse, Jesus Christ has made thee whole, and he says, now make up your bed. You say, what does he mean? He says, you don't need that anymore. And I say this to you, don't sit in your own weakness. Pick up your bed and move on. Then you find immediately, look, I love it, it says, and he arose immediately. 
It was complete, instant healing. Someone said it this way. He became a walking miracle. I ask you the question, what if he chose not to get up? You ever think about that? I never thought about that. We think these miracles, I don't know what he felt. I don't know what he experienced. I don't know when he said Jesus Christ made the hill. I don't know if he felt tingling on the inside. I, I don't know if he felt the strength in his legs. The Bible doesn't tell us what he felt, but the Bible did tell him a command to obey. And some days you have to obey whether you feel like it or not. You say, well, I like it when it feels good. I like it when it feels good too. But I still got to obey when I don't feel so good. So I like it when the spirit moves and it's emotional. It's wonderful. That's great. And I like it. But I still have to obey when my emotions are not what they on high. Maybe my emotions are low and, and maybe everything's not working out like I want it to. Maybe I'm mad. Maybe I'm having a bad day. But that does not change the power of Christ. He said, pick up your bed and move on. And I'm going to say this to you because I love you. It's time for some of you to pick up your bed and quit whining about the bed that God has given you. He said, pick up your bed and move on. You say, what happened? Everybody in that town, verse 35, I think it is, everybody in that town that heard about it. Notice, please, please don't miss this. Verse 35, I got to hurry on. We got another miracle to hear about. In verse 35, all that dwelt and lived in Saren saw him. So everybody that lived in that town, listen, oh, as uh, somebody said, it's about to get gooder and gooder. Everybody that knew what he was, when they saw what he became, when they saw who he was and now what he is, notice what happened. He says, when they saw him, they turned to the Lord. I say that to you, this is the power of the walking and talking testimony. And somebody said to me, preacher, well, why aren't we seeing people turn to the Lord? And I say this to you because we don't see people walking in the power of God. See, if we're the walking, talking, miracle testimony. You say, well, Brother Mark, I, I was not a drunkard. I was not a, a, an alcoholic or I was not living some wild life and God saved me. But you know, God needs to, look, God needs some miracle people who God, who the world sees changes their life and their, and their kindness and their attributes and their actions and the way they walk every day. And I'm sick of it. I'm sorry. Look, I'm sick of hearing that's just the way God made me. That's true in your flesh, but that's not true in the power and the spirit of God. That's just the way I am. In yourself, that's true. And if he had chosen, he could have stayed paralyzed on that bed and he could have whined there the rest of his life. But instead, he got up, made up his bed, started walking and talking, and many turned to the Lord. I ask you a question today. Why are people not being turned to the Lord in your life? Because you're not walking miracle like God wants you to be. He says, get up, move on. You see the salvation of others. Now notice the second thing with me in this second miracle. You see the service to others. Now the second miracle, if you look in verse number 36, it says this, and now there was a, at Joppa a certain disciple. Now underline that. A certain disciple, and I've connected it back to verse number 33 in my Bible, and a certain man. I believe, that I don't know this for sure, but I, I believe the man in verse 33 was a lost man. But in verse number 36, there's no doubt. Now it is, a, it is a disciple, one that is following the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Matter of fact, we're about to find out it wasn't just somebody that claimed Christ. It was somebody that was actively serving and yet still bad things happened. Look at verse 36 and named Tabitha, which being interpreted by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman, notice this, was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. Notice you find that testimony. It didn't say she did some good things sometimes. The Bible actually said this. She was full of good works and alms deeds. And, and when you see the word alms in the Bible, it, it has to do particularly with caring for the poor, those that are destitute. And she was full of good works and she was full of caring for the poor and full of using her own money. And that's what she was known for. And I say this to you, everybody's known for something. And what a good thing that is to be known for. It says in verse number 37, not only do you find her testimony in verse 36, it goes on verse 37, and it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died. Now, I can't understand this. Why does God take somebody that he's using in a great way? There are some things we'll never know. It says this, in whom she, and when they had washed, they laid her in the upper chamber. And they tell us that part of the world, that the upper chamber would have been a more private room and, and, a, and a little more seclusion. And so when she was there, it says, and for as much as Lydda was not a Joppa, they tell us about 10 miles apart, the disciples heard that Peter was there. So Peter had healed the, the lame man, and now he was teaching and preaching, and they heard about it. So what did they do? The Bible says this. They sent unto him two men desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. Now, I don't understand everything going on here because at this point, they never raised a, a dead man since the Lord Jesus Christ, at least not that we have record of uh, the, 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 since the Lord Jesus Christ in his own earthly ministry. And so, but they're thinking if the apostle Peter, maybe he can call her back to life. Maybe he tell us what to do. Maybe he can come and comfort the family. Maybe the church is so tore up that we need, we need help. I don't know, but they sent for the apostle Peter. It says in verse number 39, and then Peter rose and went with him. And when he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber. And all the widows, please miss, don't miss this. And all the widows stood by him, weeping and showing the coats and the garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. Now you notice this, that she was literally, she was in so much serving that when they got there, the widows were there and the Bible teaches us the concept about widows indeed. Now these widows that were here were widows that at that point had no government assistance, had no help, they had no nephew, they had no sons and they were totally and completely dependent upon the generosity of others and for their needs and Dorcas had, had taken on some of that responsibility herself and when when the apostle Peter got there, all these widows are, are weeping. You find in other parts of the, uh, the Bible, you find that sometimes they show up and there's professional weepers there as there would have been in the Eastern culture and they're making a scene. But these were not people that were just there to be seen. These were people that she had personally ministered to and probably when he got there, they're showing her the coats. They're showing the apostle Peter the coats that she had made said, look, and here's the statement. Oh, this is what I can't imagine in my mind is they're saying to themselves, I don't know how we're going to make it without her. I don't know how this church is going to survive without her. And I thought to myself, Lord, help me be that kind of Christian. 
Help me be the kind of Christian that people say, I don't know how that church is going to survive and I'm not talking about because I'm the pastor. I'm talking about because I, I have served and help me, dear Lord, to be the kind of husband and the kind of friend that other people would think, look what he has done and look what she's done and I, I don't know how we're going to make it without them and, and in my life and ministry, I've seen that. I've seen people that I thought, I don't know how we're going to make it without them and I think, what a wonderful testimony. And the Bible says in verse number 40, but Peter put them all forth and kneeling down and prayed and turning him to the body said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and he lifted her up and when he was, had called the saints and the widows, he presented her alive. And you say, what well, does that sound very familiar to Mark chapter number five? And when you find the, the 12-year-old daughter dead, in verse number 37 in Mark 5, it says, And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And he cometh to the ruler of the synagogue, and seeth the torment, and them that weeped and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he said unto her, Why make you this ado, and weep the damsels not dead, but sleepeth? But they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entered in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talithia kumai, which is being interpreted damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of 12, and they were astonished with great astonishment. You say, that sounds very familiar. Oh, one thing added, the apostle Peter Paused to pray because he recognized he could not do what was necessary in his own strength. And as he prayed and as he, and as he raised Tabitha from the dead, he, he touched her and lifted her up and gave her his hand. And, and the Bible says this, that he presented them alive. And I want to remind you this, they could not, she could not exercise faith, yet God had a purpose. And I want to say this to you in verse number 42, look at it. And it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And it came to pass that he tarried with him many days in Joppa with one Simon the Tanner. You say, what happened? Please don't miss this. Because of the testimony of a walking miracle, many believed. Look, and because of the testimony and the circumstances of life of a faithful disciple, many believed. I don't understand this. I don't understand why God would have chosen at this time to take someone that was giving to the poor, that was, that was ministering in such a great way. You say, well, God should have left them, but please don't miss this. God knew the end of the story in the middle of the story. And what we struggle with in life sometimes is in the middle of the story, we say, Lord, why me and why now, and God will say to us, if you'll hold on and you live right and you do right and you have the right testimony, look, it is because if you will allow me, I will allow many people to turn unto me because of your testimony. And I want to challenge you this morning. And I want to challenge you that many believed because... Her testimony became a source of salvation and many believed because her service became a 
testimony. Verse 43, it said there that he, he tarried many days and the work continued. Look, it was not over at the miracle. The miracle brought affirmation, but here he is teaching and preaching and evangelizing. Here he is in Joppa. They, they tell us that the, in the tanner that that would have been an unclean person. And we know what's about to happen to Cornelius. And the God, look, the gospel door to the Gentiles is about to open. And we're sitting here, please don't miss this, humanly speaking, we're sitting here because Acts chapter number 10, the Gentiles are about to get in. But God used the death, the untimely death of a saint of God to accomplish a bigger purpose than we could have imagined. When you see these two miracles, you see the end result in both of them is that many were turned to the Lord and many believed. And I ask the question, are you living your life so others will be turned to the Lord. You say, what do you mean, preacher? I mean, very simply, look, am I living in the power of God that is available to me? Or am I sitting in my bed complaining about how bad life is? Am I willing to serve others? Look, when you think about alms deeds and the widows indeed, those widows could do nothing. This was not a, hey, I'm gonna do for you so you can do for me later. There was no thought of return and no possibility of return. Yet, Dorcas served others. And when people heard of her service and then, of course, her being brought back to life, the Bible says many believed. And I ask you this question. Please don't miss this. What happens when people hear of you? I would like, and I, it is my desire and it is my prayer that I'd like to live life and other people see God working and changing my life in such a way that people say, well, he's not what he used to be. You say, well, he's the preacher, but can I tell you this? The preacher living in his own strength is as paralyzed as the sinner living in his own strength is. It's the power of the resurrected one changing us. And then I say this to you, we should be willing to serve others that God may get the glory and the purpose in it. I ask you a question today. Do you want to live your life in such a way to turn other people to the Lord? You say, sometimes I'm in need. Sometimes we're the paralyzed man say, God, I need you. Jesus Christ, make thee whole, the resurrected Lord. Say, I'm hurting. I, I'm struggling. I need. Well, then remember, look, we have the connection to the great high priest that's touched with the feelings of our infirmities that was in all points tempted like we are yet without sin and he said unto me he said let's come boldly into the throne of grace and we obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need don't live like you don't have access to the father may we live our lives pointing other people to Christ let others see a changed life a walking miracle in his power and let others see a heartfelt service serving others. Let's pray together.